Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Are you good? You ready to have fun? Have you already had fun? Wow. You know, sometimes I forget. I don't know if you're anything like me. I'm quick to forget. I'm quick to forget stuff. And, and sometimes I forget how blessed we are to have such an incredible worship team lead us into the presence of God weekend and week out. We've only been a church for about five months, and I would put these dudes up against anybody in the worship game, not just for their talent, but their hearts. They're the real deal. You're a blessed church. You are blessed. God has smiled upon us. Look, I've done this a couple of times. It's not always like this. How many of you have been to a church service where you're making a decision? I'm about to worship the Lord regardless of what's happening there. I'm going to make a decision to love you, Jesus, because that is rough, but you are good. Have you been there? Have you been to a church service like that? I've been there. I've done that, but we don't have to do it here. Amen? Come on. Thankful for you guys. Thanks, Ty. Wow. So good. So good to be here, man. I'll tell you one thing. I hope that you are feeling that we're on a mission to debunk the lie that church is lame. Do you feel that? We are on a journey to really see the reputation of what a Jesus community can and should be in a city. We just believe this is supposed to be a party every single week, and it's supposed to be the best party you've ever been to in your entire life. And so we're going to celebrate hard, and we're going to lean into things hard. We're going to love each other well, and we're going to have fun doing it. Amen? And how many of you know that having fun does not mean that you're not going deep? And, and, and we, we want to see both happen in us as a community. We, we want to have more fun uh, than you probably think you should at church, uh, and we want to go deeper uh, in Jesus than we ever thought that we could together. Amen? And we've been in a journey over the past couple of weeks in a series that we've called Take Ground, and we've been looking at the power of breakthrough and really the human need for breakthrough. I don't care where you're coming from, who you are, Uh, what your church background is or isn't. Maybe you're new to Jesus or maybe you're an OG. Wherever you find yourself in the spectrum of your walk with God, we all have a human need for things to change. There's something inside of all of us that we wish we could break through. And maybe it's a relationship that's going right when it needs to go left. Maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a behavior, whatever it is, if we could see it break, we would be 100% game to see it break. It's a human need. We all have a need for breakthrough. No matter how young you are, how old you are, how poor you feel, how rich you are, we all need breakthrough. It's a human need. So we've been addressing this human need with this idea, this position of being a take ground community, that we believe that where we are is not where we have to be, 
that we believe that in Jesus we can see things change. We can take steps forward. And we've been doing that and been using Isaiah 54 kind of as our GPS system as we've been journeying together through this. And it, it says a couple of things to us. And we, dive, we dove in, excuse me, a few weeks ago on this reality that our past does not have to affect what we expect. That what you've experienced in your past does not have to determine what you can expect God's going to do for you in the future. We looked at this promise that we are to live with a big tent. And we ask ourselves the question, check your tent. Where's your expectation? How big do you believe God can move in you and through you? And last week we had a fun looking at the life of David. And we challenged ourselves to not be distracted by our field, right? Do you guys remember this? Is that your field, although might feel like a field of hiddenness, it actually is a field of preparation. That although David felt that he was alone and isolated, God was preparing him in the unseen for what was going to happen in the scene. Because the unseen always shapes the scene. What we do when nobody is watching will dramatically affect what we do when everybody is watching. And so we are in a season, a field, even if you feel hidden, of preparation. And this week, we want to talk about the fuel of breakthrough. The fuel of breakthrough. If you're a note taker, which I know you all are because y'all love Jesus a ton, the fuel of breakthrough would be a good thing to write on top of your paper. If you don't know what paper is, it's a crazy thing. That people use writing utensils. This is old school, but it works. Like, there's pens, Not just thumbs, like pens, and you can write on this paper, and you can go back and read it, and it's amazing. And on top of that paper, you can write the fuel for breakthrough. Amen? You ready? Now, I want to start today off a little bit unique, a little bit different. I would love to to have you hear from someone whose life has been transformed by Jesus. And not only is their life been absolutely transformed by Jesus, they went... On our first ever mission trip, how many of you know we believe in missions here? We don't just talk about it, we're about it. We took our first trip to Tijuana, Mexico with some of our college students in the house. TJ for what? T-Jesus. We had a great time. But I would love for you to hear someone who's becoming uh, a dear friend of mine. Jake, get on up here, bro. Don't you, don't you wish you were athletic? When you saw him do that, I was just like, man, I wish I was athletic, man. I used to be able to do that probably when I was 12. Not anymore. I'm old now, bro. Jake, tell us a little bit about what God's been doing in your life, bro. All right, all right. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jake Moorhead. For those of y'all that don't know me, and God's been rocking my life for the past two months now. Um, so about a month and a half ago, I came to Antioch, Austin. And since then, I just I'm just gonna start there and tell y'all what's what's been hap- what's been happening. So um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad's a pastor, real loving family, uh, two great loving sisters. One of them's right there, um, and it's just they've just been a great family all my life. Um, but about around my sophomore year of high school, I decided that I had better plans for my life, and I kind of started to get curious. 
And um, I started looking in satisfaction in other places other than Jesus. I looked for satisfaction in, in areas of, with girls, with drugs, and alcohol. Um, and so that went on for about five years. And then about a month and a half ago, I was just going through the daily routines, going through the motions, um, came home from work, and I was about to click play on, on Netflix. And I just heard this little voice in my head just tell me, don't click play. I was like, why would I not click play? I love watching Netflix. Um, and so, so I got this picture in my head. It was a note that my older sister had wrote me for my birthday when I was 16. And it talked about her struggles when she was alone and just felt sad. And she would just fill up her time with Netflix. So I'm not even very close with my older sister. Or I wasn't at the time. And so I, I decided I'll just text her. And I texted her. And she called me right there, and um, for the next two hours, we just, I just poured out to her everything, and um, God just spoke through her everything I needed to hear, and we just broke down together. Um, and that just brought us so close, and that was just amazing. And so from there, um, she, she said, all right, well, you need to listen to God and, you know, take some next steps in your life. So from there, I moved out of the house I was living in. It wasn't a very good environment. I uh, quit my job. And I and pretty much just gave up my entire life um, because I felt like that's what God was telling me to do. And I remember him specifically telling me if I give up all of my possessions and just, you know, start start completely new, um, then he would fill up my life just and just overflow it with his love and just to just in ways that I can't even imagine. And he already has done that in the past month and a half. Um, so I started I started coming to Antioch. I met with Moses, the worship leader. And he just, he just really has just been a great leader and an example for me. He advised me that day that I, should, I shouldn't dip my toes in the water and that I should just dive in. And that was the best advice that he could give me because that, that next Tuesday I came to Life Group. Um, and, and right after that I signed up for the mission trip and didn't even have second thoughts about it. Didn't know any of the people I was going with. Um, but it was the best decision I made in my life. Um, and so we... From there, I've just grown in just a community with Life Group, not only um, just in Life Group, but also on the mission trip in Tijuana. So um, in Tijuana, we, the first day we get there, um, I was just already the first day just blessed by, by Jesus because I was able to get baptized in the Pacific Ocean with, with my boy Austin right here. Um, and that was just that was just an incredible way to start off the trip. Just kicked it off really great. Um, and so then also, I just I just was just looking for Jesus um, the whole time. You know, just just seeing him do these things that I thought were stories from the Bible, stories of the past that were not possible. And one of these stories, um, one of the days we were there, we were doing an outreach in a market um, area. And we basically would just gather people around to come watch this skit or this drama that we had and share the gospel with them and show them Jesus' love for them. And so um, one, of, one of those days, it was um, Sarah Carson grabbed me, and she, she asked me if I could come help her talk to this man. He was kind of hunched over, and he was walking with a cane. And um, so I went over, and we started praying for him. And I asked him what was wrong, and he, he lifted up his pants, and he showed us his legs, and he just had this brutal infection on his legs. Um, it was just very, it was very hard to see, but, you know, you could tell that this man was just hurt, um, not only externally, but also internally. So we, we started to pray for healing for his legs. And then after, after a few prayers, he just kept telling us he was feeling better and better. Um, 
And so then we, we began to dive into his internal, his internal healing that he needed. And I asked him, I said, hey, man, is there, is there anything that you've been struggling with in your life or any problems internally? And, and he, looked up, he looked up at me and said, he said, I've been addicted to drugs for the past 20 years of my life. So from there, I just kind of shared my testimony with him. Um, and I just kind of explained to him um, the unconditional love that Jesus has for him. And, and it was just incredible to see his emotions just completely just change. And he looked up at me and he said, you? And I said, yeah, man, that's my life story. And he said, well, then I, I would love to know about Jesus' love. And so from there, we, we prayed for him to receive Christ right there. He's 60, 62 years old. Um, that was just incredible. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and then we just, he just, you could to, totally tell that his, his complete just manner of, of talking to us just completely changed. He was full of joy. And so we continued to pray for his back and his legs. And he just started, he started in the middle of one prayer to kind of straighten out his back and stand up. And that was just incredible. And then he started to, to try and walk without his cane. And he was just walking off a little bit. And we were helping him. And at one point, he said, all right, guys, I'm going to come to church on Sunday. And um, he just was so happy. And you, you could just see the joy radi- radiate through this guy. And so as he's walking off, um, he was kind of using his cane a little bit. But at one point, he picked it up, turned around and looked at us and spun his cane around. <laughs> and he was just over, overwhelmed with the joy, um, joy of the Lord. And that was amazing. And so um, that, was, that was the week in Tijuana, just a little story of it. And it was just incredible. Before I went, my grandpa, he told me, look for Jesus in as many ways as you can. And I, I saw Jesus in, in the most miraculous ways I've ever seen and just incredible ways that I didn't think were possible for myself. So thank you all very much. That's great, man. Come on. Love it. Send it. Send it. All right. Um. And isn't that good? I, I mean, I don't know what's going on in you, but I know what's going on in me. What's happening in me is I have hope in hopeless places right now. When you hear about something that God did for somebody else, it affects you. That's the power of stories. It's the power of your testimony. And we're going to spend the next few minutes talking about the fuel for breakthrough, and, and here it is. Don't forget what God has done for you as you're in the middle of believing for what God's going to do to you. Don't forget what God has done for you in the middle of believing for what God is going to do in you and to you. Have you ever gotten bad information? Nobody? Anybody ever gotten bad information? I have given some bad information in my life. Back in the day, before you had a cell phone, you used to have to ask people for directions. It was wild. You would have to have a conversation with the human being. It was a nutty thing. And sometimes you would have to do that to a stranger. You'd have to go up to a stranger. It's a miracle. When I think about it, it's a miracle I found anything when I was learning how to drive because you had to read a map and ask people for directions. And I have gotten so lost that whenever I'm trying to get 
bad. I don't even know what to ask people to help me get to. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't even know where I am enough. And I'm so far away from everything else that I'm going to tell you a landmark and you're going to go, no. And this crazy thing happened when I was in high school. I worked at Family Christian Bookstore. And I probably should have been fired about 400 times. Me and my, my buddy, Neil, who is my best friend growing up, and we did everything together. We were troublemakers, like to the 10th power. And we somehow duped ourselves into getting a job at a Christian bookstore, which is hilarious in and of itself. And we would do things like wear choir robes on our shift that we had found in the back. And wear them just like it was normal. You know what I mean? Like just people come in. Hey, welcome to Family Christian Bookstore. And people's looking at us like, and we just act so normal. They didn't know what to do. I mean, one time we actually closed down the store at about four and put a sign on the door that said, we'll be back in 30 minutes. We went to CC's. And we went to CC's Pizza, man. I'm not even making this up. We went to CC's Pizza across the street. We ate our fill on greasy pizza and then came back. Man, we should have been fired so many times. But for some reason, our boss loved us. It was crazy, and it drove the other people that worked there crazy, too, because they would work with us at times, and we would do nothing. And they would do everything, and we would still somehow get raises. I loved it. It was a great, it was a great opportunity for me. But this wild thing happened when I worked at Family Christian Bookstore. It was kind of at a busy intersection. And people would come in and just because we were wearing a name tag, thought that we knew information. And oftentimes people would come in lost, turned around, didn't know where they were. And they were like, a Christian bookstore, they're going to be friendly. And they would come in and say, you know, can you help me find X, right? Now, I'm 17 years old. I, I barely know how to get home. I could get to school, to church, my friend's house, and my house. That's about it, right? That was the extent of my directions. I, I struggled, right? I, I, I didn't learn street names. I didn't know where stuff was, right? I'd follow people. You know, I'd have them write down directions for me. I didn't know what was going on. And people would come in and say, can you help me find this place? And with confidence, I would say, yes. And I would say, this is what you got to do, sir. Get back on that main road. That right there is NASA Road 1. You're going to take a left on NASA Road 1. That's the only street name that I knew in the area. So I sent him to NASA Road 1. I said, you go to NASA Road 1, bro. You turn left. You need to go through two stoplights. When you go through that two stoplights, there's going to be an Exxon on your right. I didn't know if there was or not. I'm just being confident. I'm like, you're going to see that Exxon on your right. You're going to pass that Exxon. Behind that Exxon, there's a turn, a street you can turn right on. You're going to go right on that street, go down two stop signs. It's going to be on your left. Have a phenomenal day. And those people would leave thinking they got clarity, but they had just gotten some bad information. How many of you know when you're going to take new territory in your life, you need to make sure that you've got good information? Because bad information in unknown territory is going to take you further away from where you need to be, not closer. When you are trying to advance, take new territory, go into uncharted waters in your life, you need to make sure you fill your mind 
with good information. We're going to look at the life of David again this morning. Last week, we dove into a moment in his life that was a moment of victory. This week, we're going to look at a moment in his life that would have felt like unknown territory. We're going to look at how he responded and how he leaned in in this unknown place to good information. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. This is what it says. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, this moment, a little backstory on this moment, David is now king. It's wild how he became king, but now he was king. And last week, we we introduced the character King Saul. He was the, the guy who was the king before King David. And as soon as the grace and favor of God fell on David, people began to celebrate and worship like all that God was doing in David and through David's life. And Saul got jealous and therefore went on a manhunt to kill David. And so David literally is running for his life for years trying to honor God. And he is the rightful king of Israel, yet he's being pursued by the the past king of Israel who wants to destroy him and the promise of God in his life. Now, real quick, you just have to understand, isn't it good news that God is faithful to carry you through? Isn't it good that when God is for you, No one can be against you. And even though David was hunted by Saul, he emerged as king. He didn't make his own way. God made a way for David. And when he stepped into that place of leadership and authority, winning was all he knew. All he did was win. Before the song even came out, that was David's like theme song. That's it. All he did was win, man. He just thought about something he would win. God blessed him with incredible favor. And David would move in obedience and see amazing things happen in and through his life. And all he did was win. But 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David finds himself in unfamiliar territory. David was greatly distressed. Because the men were talking of stoning him. What had happened is the Amalekites had come in as David and his men had left. And they had gone to do some other butt kicking, if you will. And so they were, they're out doing their deal, being warriors, taking land and, and stealing stuff. I don't understand that part of the Bible, but we just got to roll. And so David's doing that. And, and, and they're, they're like advancing stuff and getting bigger houses and stuff like that. And, and while they're gone. The Amalekites come and rob their homes, burn their homes to the ground, and, and captive, like literally take their kids and their wives. And so David and his men are coming home. They're walking home. This is before cell phones, people. This is crazy. Think about it. This is when you got information when you saw it. 
That's a wild concept for some of us in this room. They're thinking they're coming home to their kids running up the road just as they've done many times before. They're thinking that they're going to hear the sounds of children playing as they come over the hill to enter into their home. But that's not what they see. They smell the smell of smoke of, of, of buildings that are burning. And they don't hear the sounds of children playing. And I can't even imagine as a father the panic that set in as they began to realize that not only are their homes gone, their families are gone. And David's men look at David and say, we are going to stone you. We're going to kill you. You did this. This was David's mighty men. These were not just random soldiers. These were the men that are described early in David's life as disgruntled in debt and bitter in spirit. And David believed in them when no one else believed in them. David spoke truth into who they really were, and they went from being the rejects in high school to Navy SEALs. These homies were just gnarly, gnarly dudes, man, with a, with a, with a GN gnarly. I mean, they were wild. These guys did not take any prisoners. And these men who David had believed in, who hoped in, who who he leaned into when no one else did, these were the ones who said, we're going to kill you. Isn't it funny how pain will lie to you? I want to say something that's going to be freeing for some of you. What you feel is not real. Doesn't mean that what you feel isn't valid. Doesn't mean that what you feel isn't justified. It just might not be real. Your emotions will lie to you. Your emotions will give you bad information. Now, some of you aren't emotional. You're rational, and I envy you. I, on the other hand, very emotional person. And how I know I'm emotional is because I'll get in a disagreement with my wife, and I say things that aren't true, but I believe them because my emotions are lying to me. Has this happened to anybody else? You never say that to me. You always do that, right? That's not true, but when I say it, what, I believe it. Why? Because my emotions are lying to me. My emotions are telling me something that's not true. My emotions are leading me down a street that is not real. What you feel is not real. So we have... To choose truth over emotion. David's men were emotional. They were feeling pain, grief, disappointment, frustration, bitterness. And their emotions lied to them. And their pain turned their heart from a man who believed in them to the enemy. What you feel is not real. Doesn't mean that you're not feeling it. It just means what you're feeling is not truth. And culture tells you that what you feel is real. Culture tells you what you feel is truth. And so we're leaving 
the concrete foundation of truth and putting it on the whims of how we feel in the moment. You can't even have a conversation with anybody because they'll be like, well, I don't feel that that's true. And you, you, there's nothing else to say. You don't feel like it's true. Your feelings are not real. This is dangerous for us as a society. It's dangerous because in our pain, in our frustration, in our bitterness, when you're trying to take new ground in your life, you're going to feel things that are not real. People are going to say things to you that are going to evoke emotions in you that are not real. And you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to detour off of the path that God has laid out for me because my emotions are leading me astray? David found strength in God. He was feeling a lot too. He had lost his family and his home as well. But David found strength in God. Now, we don't know, man, this is when I wish that my Bible had like a special features button where you could like push the verse and then you could see what happened because that's all it says. It it just says that David went away and found strength in God. The next verse, David comes back with clarity and confidence and speaks to these men who are going to stone him, somehow rallies them, and they go and get their families back. But all we know is that David found strength in God, and I've just been searching like, God, give me insight to that sentence. And I found myself leaning in on 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy's cool because Timothy was the young disciple of Paul. Paul, big time, important dude in Jesus. Okay, like, so if you're new to church or new to the church game, remember that name, write it down, Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He is the man. He's the real OG, the real MVP. Okay, so Paul gives us all this clarity about who Jesus is and how this thing is supposed to work called the church and all of this stuff. And Paul raises up this dude named Timothy who had a reputation of being timid and shy. And he would follow Paul around, but Paul could trust him because he was trustworthy and he was a good man and he, and he served Paul. And so Paul gave Timothy this incredible challenge to oversee the church in Ephesus. And 1 Timothy was written as a letter of encouragement to a young pastor of a megachurch with the sole responsibility of preaching truth in a church that had kind of gone a little sideways. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to make sure that these guys don't preach heresy, but preach truth. That actually love Jesus, and although they're doing good stuff, make sure that they don't forget the main thing. And so Paul writes this letter to Timothy to encourage him as he's in the middle of leaning into unknown territory. And this unknown territory... We find Paul writing a verse that I believe gives us an insight into potentially what David did in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. And some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. 
Some have rejected these. What's the these? The prophecies once spoken about his life. Who God had been to him was where he was going to find strength while he was believing God for what God was going to do through him. And here's what blew me away. Paul writes this. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Shipwrecked their faith. Not their mission, their belief system. Forgetting who God has been to you will lead you down a path of forgetting who God is at all. If you're stepping into a place of unknown territory in your life, if you're leaning into something you've never done before, if you're taking a step forward into the darkness and you don't even know what way is up and what way is down, if you're stepping into a decision to be free when no one else around you is being free, if you're taking a step and saying, I'm going to stop drinking, nobody else understands why, but I got to cut it out because I don't know when to say no. You're taking a step forward. You're like, man, I got to put my, I got to throw my computer away because I don't trust myself because what I do when nobody's watching is going to affect what I do when everybody is watching this and nobody gets this this is crazy but I gotta take this step when you're stepping into unknown territory it's gonna get dark and you're gonna begin to feel things that are not true but don't forget Don't forget who God's been to you. Don't forget what he said about you. Don't forget the promises that he's given you. Don't forget the family stories that you have in the Bible. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, spill my water, that's anointing. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, all of the stories of breakthrough that are in this book become your story. And some of us might need to take a moment this morning and we might need to say, you know what, I need to find a place with God and I need to find strength because I'm in unknown territory. Things are pressing on me. This journey that I'm trying to walk towards, I'm feeling a little pushback, a little opposition for where I'm trying to go. And I need to find strength in God. I need to remember what God has done for me in the past. I maybe need to remember what God's done in Jake's life. I need to remember that as I'm in the middle of my fight and be like, if he can do it for him, he can do it for me because these are family stories. You know what the feel of your breakthrough is? It's your story. It's your story. If you need fresh life in your story, if you need fresh life in your breakthrough, tell your story. Revelation 12, 11, I'm going to end with this. It says that we overcome him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus and our story. Who God has been to us. So if you're looking at a devil this morning, if you're looking at something that's trying to bark at you and tell you lies, you need to look right back at it and say, I got the blood of Jesus on me and I got the fuel of my story and I'm going to overcome you. You can overcome anything in life with Jesus in your story. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter how how stuck you feel, how lost you are. If you're in the unknown territory, good news. You've got the power of your story. You're stepping into a place you've never been before. Good news. You've got the power of your story. We overcome. We take new ground by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony.
Your story is the fuel for your breakthrough. Don't forget who God's been to you when you're in the middle of fighting for what God is going to do in you. Would you stand with me? I don't know about you, but I'm in the mood to respond to Jesus. We're responders here at Antioch. We don't just want to be hearers. We want to be doers. And when God begins to stir you, we always want to take a step. Don't, don't, don't neglect the power of the step. Some of you just have a desire. I need to come forward. You don't know what for, but you just need to take a step. You need to take ground in the physical to remind your heart that you're going to take ground in the spiritual. Some of my leaders are going to begin to come up front here. And at the end of every church service, we pray for anybody who has any need at all. But specifically this morning, there's a couple of, a couple of groups of people that I believe God wants to move and touch. One is some of you need to remember what God has done. You've forgotten. You've been quick to forget. You're dwelling more on bad information and God wants to remind you. Of the goodness of who he is in the middle of your story. Others of you just need breakthrough, man. You just need somebody to believe with you that what is going on in you is going to break. You just need breakthrough. Whatever's going on, don't leave this moment. Don't miss this moment. Take a step. Take some ground.